Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. We are Steph and Chad, your hosts for this podcast. And what you can expect from these episodes is some big highlights, some big topics, and some big predictions for games to come. Expect a new episode every Monday and Thursday where we're going to cover off on all those things, and we're so excited to have you here joining us. Each episode is 30 minutes long, give or take a few rants here or there. But yeah, after you listen to each podcast, don't forget to go check out our Facebook and our Instagram page over at GG Talk Sports, where we cover all the sports predictions, all the polls that we kind of talk about on the podcast, and a ton more information regarding sports. So don't forget to join the group and go check them out. So let's jump into the episode. What you know about sports? What you know about sports? All right, you ready? Ready. Welcome back to another episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. We have a really, really good one coming to you guys. Our records are going down the drain, but we have some really good sports to talk about. Yeah, mine's straight toast. I think I'm barely above 500 (laughs) if it's a good day. But I'm going to just keep on trying and keep on making some picks. Um, But hopefully that record goes in a better direction. But that also means that there's been some upsets, some really, really good outstanding players that have just been kind of balling out recently and just... Also some really, really good coaching moves probably, but I think that kind of leads us into the very first topic or person that we're going to discuss in terms of highlights, which is... So the first highlight of the day is a KU basketball player Rock who Chalk. is now in the NBA. Um, my favorite player, I will say, that ever played at KU. Oh, hang on. Frank Mason? Oh, for sure. Devontae Graham is my oh. favorite over him. I love Frank, but Devontae for sure. Okay, okay. So, good old number four is now playing for the Charlotte Hornets, and he is going kind of off. Kind of <laughs> off, just say it. Up with something else, but <laughs> he's definitely going off. He is doing so well, and it's super fun to see his name like pop up on some graphics and stuff that SportsCenter posts on Instagram and like ESPN posts because of his assists. But his stats are looking really dang good this year. Oh, for sure. Let me spout him off. Oh, okay. Quick stats. Quick stats. So, Devontae Graham, who didn't even start last year and probably had some pretty low playing minutes last year, is now starting. And his stats are this. He has 19.2 points a game, which is really good. 32nd in the NBA, which if you think of how many players in the NBA, I would say that's pretty good. 32nd saw. That means that he's one of the best within every single team. team. Yeah. Yeah. So then, rebounds we're not going to talk about because <laughs> that one's not as impressive. But No triple doubles in his to, future? No, he's not needing to rebound. And then his assists are 7.7, which is currently 6, but literally just like yesterday or the day before, he was 3rd. So he had one game where he didn't have a lot of assists and it drug his average down a little bit. But as of the other day, he was 3rd in the NBA in assists, which is pretty awesome, I have to say. Because oh, I think yeah. it just shows hard work. He didn't get drafted in the first round. Um, He was a really good college player, but I think people probably questioned if he was going to be a really great NBA player. And I think he just works hard and plays a lot of basketball, focuses on basketball, and it shows. Yeah, it definitely is. It says something to his character, too. In my personal opinion, this is how I look at it, which is incredible, the success he's had in such a short time. Yeah. So you got to look back at the Charlotte Hornets in the previous, I don't know, six to eight months. They traded Kimbo away. Well, yeah. I don't know if they traded or Kimbo just left and got a big contract with Boston. One Either way, other, one or the there. other, he's not there. So they brought in Terry Rozier. He really hasn't performed as well as people thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. And now you have Devontae Graham coming in who probably was sitting behind Kimba, waiting his time, preparing for the moment when he was going to get to take over the starting role. And I mean, look at what he's done. Even with the competition of Terry Rozier, in my personal opinion, he's their number one point guard right now. I agree. And I just have to say, 
Um, they're playing as we speak right now. It's the fourth quarter, and Uh-oh. he has 30 points. He's the highest scorer on their What's team. What's Terry Rozier have? Not to call him out. 11. Uh-oh. Sorry, Terry. Not to call him out. <laughs> Bad game for you, Big sir. respect for what you were able to do with the Celtics. Yeah. But, but anyways, I mean, shout also, out. Oh, he, uh, Devontae Graham had a game where I think he made 10 threes. Yeah, it was nice. Which was insane, like just one after the other after the other. And he's 50% from three tonight. So just a big shout out to Devontae Graham. Rock Chalk, we see you. Go, dude, go. And it's kind of cool to see, like, SportsCenter and ESPN now recognizing his play. I and mean, also, they've done a really good job recognizing kind of low-key players under the radar. They've shown a lot of people that you wouldn't really see playing or a lot of people that have gone off. Yeah. Um. So, kind of shout-out to their Instagram, whoever's handling it. Way to go. Way to go, Devontae Graham. But another way to go shout-out. This is, like, highlights in the version of, like, pats on the back slash, like, you go kind slash of you're probably one of the most badass people in our generation awards yeah, the next one is probably one of the most badass people in our generation as chad just said and he's gonna cover up on who megan rapino probably didn't say that appropriately <laughs> right Doesn't all matter. right megan rapino who is just I, I don't even know how to even categorize her because she fits in so many different boxes which is like well hang on Let's retract that statement. She doesn't fit into so many boxes. She fits into so many outside the boxes because she yeah. is just a completely she amazing outside. Yeah, the boxes. that's a good way of saying it. She removes the boxes. So it's just pretty cool what she's been able to do on the field. Obviously, she's an yeah. incredibly talented soccer player. For, sure. for those of you that don't know, she won the World Cup. How many that's times has she won it? Um, I know she was on it the past two teams, so at least twice. Okay, at least twice. I think yeah. it's maybe been three times, but regardless. I think twice. She's a World Cup champion. She has been a successful, successful soccer player outside of the USA's team. And then she just won Sports Person of the Year, which is crazy. And it's also an amazing statistic for women because she's breaking down barriers. She is the fourth person in 66 years to win this award as a female. Which I just have to say, I told Chad when he told me that stat, A, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, for sure. More than four female athletes should have been winning this award. That's point one. Point two, way to go, Megan Rapino, because you are bringing women back into the conversation of the best top-notch athletes, and you deserve it 100%. And also, I think you're going to kind of change the tides of women winning that award. So, we thank you. Yeah, so also, shout out to her. Cool. She's crazy cool. And I just, I like her style. I like her swag. I like the oh, kind of yeah. just her charisma, what she brings to the table. I mean, that pose, the signature pose, signature pose. I mean, I it's hands down maybe the best pose to ever be posed in a match. Yeah. In the Definitely one of the most iconic. Yeah, I mean, she's got, got the good pose. She's got the good hair. She's got the super cool attitude. She's got the positive vibe. She's got the world-changing mentality. She's literally got it all. So it's no surprise that she won that award, but also at the same time a little bit considering only three females had won before her. So Did you also know, this kind of goes back to her leadership and her ability to play on the field. Did you know they never trailed in France? I did not know that. They never once trailed, which goes to one, speak about their leadership, which she was the captain. And then two, that just goes to speak about just kind of their mentality and just kind of the... The environment she kind of builds around her, I think. It kind of seems That's, like... yeah. I mean, she has a really good way of bringing people together in general, just in her opinions and the way that she portrays them and the way she communicates them and just the way that she speaks to people and how she can kind of rally some people together. I think that obviously translates onto the soccer field too because I think she can get a bunch of people 
to rally around a team and to just kind of, yeah, I don't know, follow into one. Yeah. No, I like the word choice you used by communicator. She's probably the ultimate communicator, period, because you never really, you might take offense to what she says if you're very, very strongly willed on one way or another on the topics that she talks about. But when she actually talks about them, you listen. You don't, you know, you don't shut her off or you don't ignore her. You actually listen to her and you might hate what she's saying, but you still listen. And she's never like offending anyone. She's just speaking her opinions and speaking her truths. Yep. And has a way of letting you listen to them too. Yeah. But all right. That kind of leads us into our topics that we're going to talk about for the podcast, which the first one is near and dear to your heart. I know. It's the one that we had planned on covering last week. Before we literally just went into all things college football playoffs and all things Heisman race, and that topic is tennis. And I know a bunch of people listening probably are not the biggest tennis fans in the world, and I would challenge you to watch some tennis because I think you'd be pleasantly surprised about how competitive it is, how physical it is, how mental it is. I think that there's a lot of aspects to tennis that people don't see. Um, and I think that I would challenge people to watch it because of a few of the greatest tennis players of all time are playing right now in our generation. And I think that we should be taking advantage of having that opportunity in front of us. And today we're going to discuss which of the three, where there's three men and one woman who are in the race, I would say. Oh yeah, for sure. We're going to cover off on them and see who we think is the best of all time but we want your opinion too so make sure you're always following along on our facebook page and on our instagram page both gg talk sports because we're always posting polls wanting feedback starting some conversation so make sure you're following along over there yeah we love our social media presence so please go check us out leave a comment and a follow and uh, yeah we'll definitely be sure to connect back and i just have to read off this statistic based on these three because when i read this i was my jaw hit the floor name them all right, do you want to name where they're from after I say it? Like we're introducing them? Sure. All right, Rafael Nadal. Spain. Novak Djokovic. Serbia. And Roger Federer. Good old Switzerland. And then the female, we'll introduce her now. Yes. Serena Williams. USA. Should we just put goat? I mean, probably. But with that being said, out of the three men's... Yep, rattle that stat off. So, 61 of 66 of the past Grand Slams have featured one of these three men's tennis players... And out of those 61, they have won 55 times. So they've won 55 out of the last 66 Grand Slams. Basically. Yep, basically. Yeah. And they've won, let me just also say this, they've only lost six that they've played in, collectively. Right, and just for information of those who don't watch tennis very closely, there's only four Grand Slams a year. So that tells you that it's been over 10 years that this has been happening. Which is incredible. The longevity that they've been able to withstand. I mean, their careers speak for themselves. I think whenever you said we're watching some of the greatest tennis players of all time, of our just existence, I would also even go to say some of the best athletes. The way that they're able to withstand the amount of just kind of pressure and force on their knees and ankles and ability to just place the ball in certain spots on the court. I mean, it's pretty unreal what they can do with a little yellow ball. I know. And there's, like, some crazy stamina involved, too, because if you look at how long some of those matches last, like, they can last five, six, seven hours, which is pretty insane. So they're definitely some of the best athletes. But let's see who's won the most Grand Slams. So tell us those stats. Okay, so we're actually going to go head-to-head first. Okay. And then we'll cover Grand Slams. I don't want to get too stat-heavy, but I also want you guys to have the fair amount of information to give us your answers. So head-to-head, Nadal versus Djokovic. Djokovic is winning 28-26. to Nadal versus Federer. Nadal is winning 24 to 16. 
Djokovic versus Federer. Djokovic is winning 26 to 23. All right. Thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I mean, statistically, Djokovic is the best. Statistically, maybe. But I have to say that Nadal and Fed were around before Djokovic was around. So he was a little bit late to the game. So that's another point that I would like to bring up based on age. If they were all the same age... Yeah, I mean, Djokovic and Nadal are basically the same age. That's true. Federer is, like, I think six years older than them. So, Roth is 33, Joke is 32, and Fed is 38. So, age aside, I mean, Federer has played a little bit longer than the other two. And, technically, Djokovic has a winning record versus both of them. But I think, if you looked at the matchups, most of the time that Joke has won was on hard court. And neither Federer nor Nadal's top surface is hardcore and there's two hardcore tournaments grand slams a year and only one of each of their preferred um like court of choice yeah i think it's hard to so if i was gonna just put one person out of those three as the goat on all surfaces i think it'd have to be Federer. in my personal opinion i think that he's just completely well-rounded i think nadal when he was at his prime and fully healthy best men's player maybe of all time but i think that he's just had so many injuries lately when you look at the whole spectrum of things and the, the career of work, I would put Roger Federer as the GOAT just because of what he's been able to do. With that being said, Nadal, I think, will end as the GOAT because I think he's not. I think he's healthy now. I think he's feeling good and playing well. Um, I know he did just pull out of a tournament because he had an injury, but it's because he was resting for the majors. So um, that's just kind of my take on it right now. What do you think, though? I know who you're probably going to pick, but... <laughs> I mean... My favorite is obviously Nadal, but I would also argue that he's the best because I think that he has won on all surfaces. I also think that he's best for exceeding expectations, so he came in and everybody thought he was only ever going to win on clay, that his style couldn't translate into the other courts, and I think that he has done the best at adapting his game to make sure that he can play on all surfaces, and I think that that kind of makes him the GOAT because he started as only a clay player and now he's won a major, every single one of them, which is on hard court, on grass, on clay. So I think he's the greatest of all time for the sake of how much he's been able to adapt his game to be able to beat the greatest. He has a winning record over Federer, who you just said is the greatest. True. So I think just the ability to be able to adapt your game to be on any surface and then to win at the highest level on all those surfaces that's what makes him the greatest of all time in my eyes. At the end of the day, when all of their careers are said and done, I think Rafa will be the GOAT. I think he'll have the most grand slams. But yeah. as of this very second, if you look at it, I mean, you, you can't argue Fed. He has 20 grand slams. Yeah. Joke has 16. Rafa has 19. So Rafa's catching up really, really quick. Yeah. But if you look at their total ATP titles, Fed's still winning in that quarter category as well with 103. Yeah. Rafa then follows with 84. And then Joke follows with 73. So that's why I said it in his whole entire body of work, yeah. as a big picture, what he's done, he's leading in all categories minus the head-to-head. So right. why? But also that could go to the point of they're both younger. Yeah. They started when he was in his kind of later days in his career. Um, yeah. I so, mean. I don't know. It's hard to, once again, pick against him just because he brought so much attention to the sport of tennis too. I think so many True. less people watched tennis before he played um, so I think that's another big win for him is just that he brought so much more attention to tennis and the fact that he was winning so much and that he has stayed at the top for this long, I think definitely also adds to 
his potential title yeah. as the greatest of all time. I think for sure you have to like for at least ten years he was the greatest of all time of that time, and I think that he's continued to carry that through. So I would not argue with somebody who was claiming he was the best. No, neither would I. But I would also like to throw a joke in there and give him a little credit where it's oh, due. Yeah. But the only reason that I don't think or I wouldn't put him in the category as the GOAT or the best of those three is because of what's between his ears. It's just the mental aspect, kind of the way he treats the game. It's almost like a strict business. He, he loves it, and he says he loves it, and he says he has fun. But sometimes you just don't see that emotion or that, that really interaction with the fans like Rafa or Fed has. Yeah. And so I think that's the only reason that maybe would bring him down a notch. And it's not even his gameplay. It's just the way he handles the gameplay. Um, yeah, and sometimes he, I mean, he's, out of the three of them, known to have a little bit more of an attitude than the other two or, yeah. like, get more frustrated. I mean, they all get frustrated, but I think Joke just shows it more, which, I mean, it could be taken either way. Either it's, like, his passion for wanting to win or just being upset that he's not winning. Yeah. I don't know. But I still think that he is, hands down, one of the most talented tennis players that we have ever seen. I agree. He's definitely skilled. But it's time to throw in the one who actually has the most Grand Slam The goat. Which is Serena Williams. Big fans. At 23 titles. Crazy. She's been searching for that 24th one for quite a while. and Is I'm, she going to get it? I think she will. I think so too. But I think if she doesn't get it this year, she might not. I agree with that. No, I'm totally... I I think it's taken a toll on her as much as she's acted like it hasn't. It's got oh, to. Yeah. It has to. How can it not? I mean, it would mess with me every day knowing that I've had so many opportunities to break it and I just can't. Yeah. I agree, so that's why I think if she doesn't get it this year, it'll be very hard for her to maybe... I mean, she's one of the most mentally tough athletes you could literally ever come up with. But for I sure. think at the end of the day, it's like you're going after the same thing and you're literally like minutes away and then you can't reach it quite yet. And it's like, I'm sure at some point you're questioning, should I even be doing this? Yeah. I don't know if she's going to question that, but I think if she doesn't get it within the next four to five tournaments, I think it'll be hard for her to get it, but... I'm not going to doubt against her, that's for sure. I, don't know, I was just about to say the same thing. It's kind of like Tom Brady. You just It's hard to bet against them no yeah, matter what. Because they have such a track record for winning. So I don't think that she's going to let that up. And I think that she's going to win it. And yep. I think that she is definitely one of the greatest of all time in tennis, period. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think she probably, I don't know if she's one of those four women that have won Sports Person of the Year. But oh, she definitely she, she definitely needs to be if she's not. Will you fact check me real quick on yeah, that? Yeah, fact check. But yeah, in my personal opinion, what she's done for the sport, what she's done just for women in general, women's tennis in general, is just pretty outstanding. And, and it's just a big applause and just kind of a shout out to her. I know we're talking about the men's goat of tennis, but I mean, when you talk about tennis in general, if her name's not brought up, then something's wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, same. And just to fact check myself real quick, Serena Williams actually is one of those four women to be chosen alone Perfect. as the sports person of the year. She actually joins Chris Everett, Mary Decker, Rapino, and herself. All right, those are the four ladies. So like we said, if you have the opportunity to watch some tennis, especially those four that are on TV when it comes on, challenge yourself to take that opportunity and watch it because you will be witnessing history. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it is super historical how great all these athletes are. And it's something worth watching. So tune in. I know that the Australian Open happens in January, so it'll be on soon. We'll definitely cover off on it then when it's actually on TV. But we're going to hop into our next topic, which is firing coaches midseason across all sports. Yeah, this is kind of a hot topic right now over the past few years because so many coaches 
whether that be in football, basketball, soccer, have been getting fired mid-season. Yeah. And then getting randomly having a replacement or an assistant coach or... Interim of some kind. Interim of some kind, getting yeah. hired for the remainder of the year. And I just felt like we needed to talk about if, one, is it the right move? Two, when has it worked? And then three, when has it just not, not worked, worked completely at all? Yeah, so I think we can start off with who's gotten fired recently because there's been quite a few... I'm going to start with a college one that okay. happened that was actually the University of Arkansas, which has a track Ooh, record well, for I like it. firing coaches recently. <laughs> I mean, I went to the University of Arkansas, and I feel like every two years we're firing another coach, which I think actually that might be the actual stat. I was being dramatic, but I'm pretty sure that's actually what track record we're following. I mean, it might be shorter. Years. You're not far off at all. Yeah, so basically we keep firing every coach that we hire because there's not immediate results, and just this year... We fired Chad Morris with literally two games left in the season, and we had Barry Loney Jr. step in as interim head coach. So it's in college sports. Where is it in professional sports? Yeah, so the most recent one that we've seen happen in professional sports would be the Rivera one with the NFL and the Panthers. Yeah. So the Panthers randomly, kind of not randomly, I guess, they released Rivera as of a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it's the right move. We talked about it for a second on the podcast, I think that they made a quick move. I think that they made just like a rip the bandaid off move instead yeah. of kind of thinking about it um, and waiting until the end of the season. Do I think it's the right move? In terms of how they're wanting to build their organization, I think this could be the right move. If they're trying to build their organization in terms of the next five to 10 years, I think that it is because it's not going to affect you. You know, you're just getting rid of them. Like I said, pulling that bandaid off and you're just going to bring in a new replacement. You're kind of just scratching the season out. But if you're looking to, you know, finish the season off, bring Cam back, and actually look to be a contender, I don't know, questionable decision just to do it in that spur-of-a-moment thing with Kyle Allen playing. It's just a weird time. It just depends on what the Panthers are doing right now. I don't think anybody knows. Yeah, well, they lost their first game without him, so... The, t- the tides are not turning quite yet. <laughs> but the other one, which is another sport, which is the NBA, recently, Fizdale with the Knicks just got fired at a very, very random time. Even though the record was very, very bad, he still got released at a random time, in my personal opinion, because they're young. They're so young. They're building that team from the ground up, and they got rid of the coach that they brought in to build the team from the ground up. Yeah. Another questionable decision I think that, like, all these teams are trying to make, like, a strategy play, and but nobody knows what their strategy is. Jason like, Kidd to the Knicks? I don't know. That's speculation, because they is want it? Giannis to sign with them on the offseason. Oh, very interesting. I do like Jason Kidd, and I think he is a good coach. But I think these other teams, it's just a question of, do you really think firing your coach midseason is going to make any positive change? One... I think it would be so hard as a player to just have my coach fired mid-season because I feel like the head coach is such a, like, staple in the organization and such a, like, figure that brings the team together and creates such a culture within the team that it would be so hard that you're, like, oh, yeah, so sold and bought into this coach and what he's doing, and then all of a sudden he's just gone, and you have some other random person you're supposed to buy into their strategy and buy into what they want to do that I think it would be so hard for that to happen mid-season as a player. No, yeah, I totally agree. I could only imagine. For example, I think it's successful if you have a a GM on the floor, which a GM on the floor, in my opinion, is LeBron. LeBron picked his team. He knows who he wants to play with. He knows who's going to be successful with him, with his team, with his squad. 
And so you don't really necessarily need a head coach. No offense to Vogel or Tyloo or anybody that's coached LeBron. I'm just saying, honestly, LeBron James is a coach himself. Yeah. And so I think if, if you're in that kind of a situation, you know, where you have like a LeBron or maybe a KD or, you know, a really upper echelon player who can handle that. Continue. Maybe it's not a terrible team. idea because, yeah. I mean, look what the look what the Cavs did with LeBron and brought in Tyloo and then all of a sudden, boom, NBA champions. Given their record before they fired <laughs> the previous coach was like 30 and 17, so it wasn't that bad. But still, they got rid of him, brought Tyloo in, and they won a championship. So yeah, I could see it working if you have the players able to make that work. I don't think the Knicks have the players to make that work. No, um, and neither do the Panthers. So I think it's just interesting because, like you said, it depends on so many factors. It depends on who comes in as your interim coach. I mean, Barry Lonnie Jr. came into Arkansas – and he at least fired them up and rallied them. Did they have the talent to actually be able to win those next two games and, like, give a little bit of a positive boost? No, I don't see it. No, no, But no. can he actually, like, rally them up and make them play for a purpose? Yes. So I think that can make a difference. It obviously didn't make them win, but I think it was still a positive change. It was definitely a shot in the arm. Yeah, but then on the fact of, like, um, the Panthers, they don't have the quarterback that they're used to playing with. They don't, they have one really good player in Christian McCaffrey, but do I think that he's like the leader that's rallying up the whole team and like continuing the culture and like you said, being a LeBron on the field? I don't really yeah. know that I see no. that. I don't know, like, I don't know a lot about his personality, which I think kind of shows that I don't think he would be that person because yeah. he's not the most outspoken person ever. I don't see him getting riled up and, like, hyping people up as much as you see some other players. So, it, like you said, it just depends on the players and the culture you can continue. But it also depends on the skill. I mean, if there's a coach that has a bunch of players with a bunch of skill and they can't turn, <coughs> yeah, and they can't turn that into something positive, then, yes, it's a coaching problem. But if you're a coach that has a bunch of players that don't have the skill to continually win, I mean, Luke you're going to – yeah. You're no offense get, to him, just uh, just that's the honest shout out, Luke Walton. Yeah, you're gonna get fired, and no matter who comes in, they're not gonna change what's going on. So I think it just depends on the skill that the teams have, if that's gonna be successful or not. No, I agree. I think also it has a lot to do with the sport. Basketball, there's a lot more games for you to build a chemistry with a new coach. Whenever you bring them in, if it's early in the season, like you said, ten and four, and then you bring a new coach in to build that chemistry, it works a lot easier and a lot better. When you bring in a head coach for the NFL. They only have a few games. Yeah. There's not as many games to, to really build that chemistry and see what works on and off the field. Yeah, I agree. I think, though, in my honest opinion, what is the point in firing a coach midseason? Are you just trying to make a point? I think you just rattle people. I think you rattle your players. I think that you just – I mean, are you really going to hire a new head coach in the middle of the season that you're going to plan to keep for a few years? Look at the Cowboys. Yeah, no. They I didn't think. fire him, but the fact that they even brought that up – I think that had a huge part in their down spiral right now. I yeah. really do. I think that it messed with their their mojo, it messed with their chemistry, it messed with the the kind of respect that they had for Jason Garrett on and off the the court or the field. And I really think that's messed with them. I agree. So I just think, all in all, I know people are probably firing people. I don't know, save money. I don't, I mean, probably just trying to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, Arkansas is paying off their coaches for the next probably ten years. I think <laughs> I they're they're paying off more than they're going to pay to Sam Pittman in the next four years, probably. Probably. So basically, my long point of all this is like I just think it's not even worth it. I think that the odds of you turning your season around by firing your coach midseason are so low, and it hasn't been proven like very many times at all that it's a successful move. 
that it really just doesn't do any good. I mean, keep some consistency on your team, and then you can make a coaching change once the season is over. Once again, to your point, I think the only time it makes sense is in the NBA because the season is so long, and if you can bring in a good head coach after 20 games and still have 60 games left, maybe that makes sense. Yeah. But like any other sport, why, what are you doing? No, yeah, I agree. But a weird stat that I found was from 2012 to 2018, four out of six of those years, the records for those teams after getting a new coach were negative. Yeah. So, I mean, the stats say you're not going to turn your season around. So if that's your goal, don't do it. If your goal is something else, whatever. But if you're trying to like get a better record, you probably shouldn't fire your coach. Yeah, but if you're trying to get a shot in the arm or try and just rejuvenate a program or restart a program from fresh, I don't see a problem with it. It makes sense sometimes, but yeah, if you're just trying to, I don't know, do a switch up mid-season to try and make a mid-playoff push, then uh, good luck. May the odds be ever in your favor. Something like that. <laughs> Alright, okay. so with that being said, that kind of leads us into the final discussion of the final topic to cover for this episode, which is our predictions, Woo-woo! which are going... Kind bad. of bad, but kind of good because we've gotten to watch a lot of great games that have been kind of upset alerts. I mean, all the games that we've picked have been so close that I don't feel so terrible about being 11 and 9, but I feel pretty bad about it still, so I'm hoping to make a comeback this week. So, with that being said, the final records as of this very moment going into next week, we have Steph sitting at 11 and 10, and we have myself sitting at 15 and 6. So, we are not that far apart. What are you talking about? That is so far apart. That's How are four you games. And six. I, I don't know. Do you want to check the score? No. Continue. Who are we picking? This oh week? my gosh. <laughs> All right. So the first pick of our predictions comes for Thursday Night Football. Dun, 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 dun. The Jets versus the Ravens. And Lamar is playing. He is playing? I was yep. going to ask. Now he said he was, well, he's listed as questionable. But in reports and reviews, he has said that he's going to play. He might just be obviously limited to how much he runs. So predict Mark Ingram to get a lot of touches. Um, so obviously my prediction is the Ravens. I'm sorry, Sam Darnold, that you see ghosts. <laughs> but I think you're going to be seeing a lot of them in this game. And you're going to lose. And the Ravens are going to win. And I think they're going to win the whole thing. Ooh, bold prediction. I like it. I'm a big <laughs> Lamar fan. I, I'm just going all out since I'm so terrible at this record right now. <laughs> I'm just going to pick whoever the hell I want to pick. It's the way to do it. Well, no, the, the, Jets, the Jets aren't going to beat the Ravens. There's no way. One, Le'Veon Bell is bowling when he had the flu. That's Okay, but he was bowling with his family. I do not like that statement. I don't understand why they're so mad. Oh, I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying I think that like... I'm just saying that I think that it's <laughs> stupid that it even matters. Let him go bowl with his family while he's sick. That's like, do you have to be bedridden? He bowled a 251. That's kind of I mean, impressive. <laughs> I mean, hey, if football doesn't work out, he could go bowling. All right, next. All right, so our next pick is going to be the Heat versus the Mavs, an NBA matchup, Luka versus Jimmy Butler. Who you got? So, I'm going to pick the Mavs. I think that they're, like, under the radar, super good. I mean, they're not super under the radar because they're, like, one of the four best teams, I think, right now in the NBA. Um, And, obviously, Luka is one of the top players in the NBA right now. But I think they do it so... MVP candidate. Shout out. Yeah, I think they do it so effortlessly, whereas, like, everybody else is, like, such a huge ordeal. But the Mavs just look like they're having fun. They have a good win record. And Luka plays super well. And I think... Although the Heat will be good, I think. I think they're still figuring out their team. Um, so I'm going to pick the Mavs. I like that. Also, <laughs> don't forget about Kristaps Porzingis, the unicorn. He's a freak. I think that they're just becoming a really, really good duo. 
Not to mention yeah. it's crazy how we need to talk about this at one point, how the Mavs get the best international players of our generations. I mean, they all go to Dallas. Mind boggling. Just like, okay, you got Dirk, Tony Parker, and now you get freaking Kristaps and Luca. Not fair. Anyways, I'm actually going to pick the Heat. Oh. I think that they have a tough, tough, tough back-to-back game because on Friday they actually play the Lakers. So I think that they lose to the Lakers, and then I think that they actually beat the Mavs. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that... I'm you, sure you'll be right. That's fine. I don't know. You never know. But I'm going to go against you and pick the Heat. Big Jimmy Butler fan. I think that he's definitely an MVP candidate. I think Tyler Hero is going to be potentially a Rookie of the Year candidate. So I'm just riding with the Heat lately. The Heat and the Celtics. I'm just I'm riding with them. Bandwagons. I am. Big bandwagon fan. Okay, on this next one, you're going to pick first because I feel like you're in an advantage that I get to pick first. Okay, so all right. So on NHL, we have a big NHL matchup because it's our hometown team playing against the team that we watched them play in the playoffs. We don't need to talk about what happened at the end of it. If you're a Dallas Stars fan, you know. So we got the Preds playing the Stars this week. I'm going to go with the Preds. I think that the Preds are going to take this one away. I think that, uh, one, I'm just pretty angry that they lost in the playoffs to them. And that's really the only reason I'm picking them to win is because I'm just very, very sad and disappointed (laughs) that they lost to them in the playoffs last year. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm still picking the Preds also. One, because we're fans. Two, because the Dallas Stars was one of the, like, culprits of uh, coach firing midseason. That's crazy. There's not even enough information. there's, some story behind that that we don't know, but their coach just got fired this week. So I think they'll be a little bit thrown off. Um, So I think the Preds are going to win. See, yours is way better of a decision than mine. I'm just going off of previous year's feelings. going off emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of leads us into Sunday, which is obviously the NFL. And there are a ton of playoff implications in this week's games. So the first one, we're just going to get into it. Texans versus the Titans. This is, this you really never would have marked this game on your calendars as a big game based on the first six weeks. And uh, now it's pretty huge. You go first. I'm riding with the hometown team again. I think I'm going with the Titans. I I think that the Texans offense is a little, little just confused lately. I don't know. They just didn't look like themselves. I think the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill, I've been talking a lot of crap on him by myself because of Mariota, but I think that, one, Tannehill's really killing it. He's fighting for a contract next year, and two, I think Derrick Henry's just a beast. I know he's banged up, but, I mean, he said you're going to have to take my leg off for me not to play, so I'm pretty sure (laughs) I would be afraid to tackle him even if he's hurt. So I'm going with the Titans in a big win. I think it'll be close, though. What about you? I'm going with the Texans. Um, they lost to the Broncos. I don't think they're going to be feeling good about that. Um, so I think they're going to have regrouped, watched some film, gotten some notes, and I think they'll be back better like they were against the Patriots. I like that pick. The next one, Rams versus Cowboys. So a battle of just two of the teams that are supposed to be really, really hot right now, and now maybe one of the, the two Rams teams. I was going to say, maybe one of the two teams is hot, kind of clicking now, but, I mean, the other team is not even close which is the Cowboys yeah do you want me to pick or do you want to pick I'll pick so I'm gonna pick the Rams um like I just said they're actually a bit on a roll so they beat the Seahawks last week and I think they've actually gotten their offense going I think the offense was a big part of why they couldn't find success in the earlier parts of the season but I think they've finally figured out what their offense looks like this year and obviously Aaron Donald is still a massive beast in the defense. So I think they're good on both sides. Yeah, well. and I think that he keeps getting double and triple teamed. I think eventually somebody's going to say, oh, you know what? Maybe he's not producing as great as uh, he was last year, not double or triple him, and then he's going to go off. With that being said, I don't think that's going to be this week. I think that the Cowboys win. Uh, they've just they, – they can't play much worse than they've played. I mean, realistically, I hope that's true. Um <laughs> 
But I just think that the Cowboys get a bounce back game. I think they need one. I think they get one. I think that Jason Garrett is hopefully going to right the ship for a game. I think that they just win this one going into the Eagles contest coming up um, in a few weeks. So the final one that we have, which is kind of an interesting one, and you never really would have had this game to be picked, the Broncos against the Chiefs. So we got we got my man Drew Locke coming in, slinging the ball against Patty Mahomes, who is, I mean, obviously the former MVP. Yeah, I'm still going to stick with the Chiefs. I'm still going to stick with Patty Mahomes. I think Drew Locke is really good, and I think he's really good for the Broncos organization. I could see him being their quarterback. Uh, I think he's meshing super well with that offense, but I think that Patrick Mahomes has gotten his feet back. Uh, I know he was hurt for, I mean, most of the season. I mean, even the beginning of the season, he was, like, having some ankle or whatever it was. He was, like, a little bit encumbered by that. Um, But now I know that I feel like he's 100%, and I feel like he's been showing that. What about his hand injury that he suffered this week? You think it's anything? No, I don't. I think he, I mean, everybody has smacked their hand before. I've had a bruised hand, and it didn't, like, prohibit me from doing anything. So. You also weren't throwing the football to, uh, you know, very, very skilled positions trying to catch the ball, and then also... I would if I needed to. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm still sticking with Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs. I like that pick. I'm just going to go with the upset alert. I'm going Bronco Nation. Shout out my uh, my college roommate. I know that he would be happy to hear this one. I'm going Drew Locke. I think he's a gunslinger. I really don't have much expectations for them to win this game, but I just really, really think that they're just there might be a slim chance that they pull it off. I think their defense is starting to click a little bit, which is kind of slept on. They're not quite as good as they were. But, yeah, I think that their offense is very, very confusing at times because you have – no film to prepare for against Drew Locke except for two games. Yeah. I think they're a bit on a, on a roll here. So yeah, we'll now they see are. what they can do against a really good Chiefs team. This is a first test. Well, actually, this isn't even the first test. They beat the Texans. Can we just talk about that for a second? I, I mean, know, they did. They kind of, like, smoked the Texans. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. We don't need to talk about it. It's fine. Those <laughs> are our picks for the week, everybody. Make sure that you hop on over to our Instagram page and our Facebook page because we will be asking for your responses to these picks as well. We honestly love, like, our Instagram polls give us life. We love our Instagram polls. We have such a fun time with our Instagram polls. Because we just, like, have these discussions with ourselves at home all the time, and we love to see other people's feedback, too. And it's kind of crazy. Like, the polls are usually pretty close. So jump in there. Be the difference maker. Vote. Do all the things. Make all the picks with us. Yeah, and if you guys are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other place that you can listen to our podcast, definitely throw us a subscription, a follow, a review, whatever you guys can do in your platforms. We truly appreciate all the feedback and all the love and all the listens. We've really enjoyed this uh, so far and we cannot wait for episode five. So have a great rest of y'all's day.